1: Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with Angie and Mai. Yay! Hi Mai. Hi Angie. How's it going?
0: It's going really well.
1: How you been?
0: I've been great. It's so good to see you.
1: Yeah, you too. What you yeah. been doing?
0: Nothing. Just been congested forever for mm. like a good month and a half now. That's
1: like the worst part about I mean, it's not the worst, but it's one of the worst parts about transitioning between summer to fall to winter is that everybody's sinuses and allergies and all of that stuff start really acting up. Yeah. And then you throw time change in on the mix, and you're just like, you're not a real human anymore. You're just a walking ball of tired snot.
0: It's nuts. The year that Benji was born, around this time of year, there were blizzards Mm -hmm. already. And today I went to uh Rumi's passion to pick up a birthday cake for my wife because it's a gluten-free baker in Michigan and uh uh almost felt like I didn't even need to wear a jacket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the
1: sun is shining it's warm out. I was in Ho- I was in Ohio this morning and um I stayed at my sister's house last night. So when I was leaving it was quite cold this morning and there was um frost on the ground. But as soon as I got here And it was sunny, so it was really pretty. But then I got here, I got home, and I got out of my car. And it was like, why is it? 50 degrees outside right now it was yeah. really it's very strange yeah and to think that four years ago we had we were having blizzards at this time it's just like you never re- there's no consistency at all in the state of michigan yeah. <laughs> zero consistency every day is a new it's a new adventure it's a surprise and that's why we're all mostly insane so
0: it's sort of like tom Hanks said life is like a box of chocolates it's <laughs> my favorite quote from turner and hooch
1: So anyways, we're going to let you take over again today. And I'm excited because this guy, this is a guy that I've heard a little bit about. And I was like, I need to know more because he sounds, I mean, his name alone, you're like, that dude has to be crazy.
0: I know he's come up on the podcast during season one, and he's already come up on the podcast when you and I were going through the counties mm-hmm. in season two. I re- remember when we got done recording that episode, we were both like, man, we got to learn about this guy's story. Yeah. So I uh, I took the ball and ran with it. I'm so excited. And then told you, like, hey, I, I'm, I'm in this <laughs> hole. And... uh Can it be episodes? get out of this. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about Mad Anthony Wayne. All right. The namesake for Wayne County.
1: Okay. That's where we're at, actually.
0: Yes, exactly. Perfect. We are not in our regular recording location, but our regular location is also Wayne County. Yes. Yes. I'm glad that I got to research this because I discovered that aside from the fact that he did not have particularly woke views on Native Americans and he was a slave owner, aside from those two small things, Matt Anthony Wayne and I are practically the same person. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, he lived to be 51 years old before dying in 1796. Wait. You're old now? I am currently 51 years young.
1: Okay, so we're still. All right, so you guys also don't have that part in common because you're not dead. You haven't died yet.
0: But if I die before June 4th, ha ha. <laughs> and I have had these uh, sinuses for quite some time now. <laughs> uh, he had a cool nickname, Mad Anthony, and I also have a cool nickname, Surly Michael. <laughs> He doesn't have that nickname. I don't. Oh. <laughs> Can you not give yourself nicknames? I don't think that's how that works. Okay, he had a potty mouth. <laughs> I have a potty mouth. That's huh? true. <laughs> yeah. He was a senior officer in the United States Army. And in the mail today, I was offered senior benefits from the oh, AARP. Ho, ho, ho. Yes. He was an avid reader who often quoted Caesar. I like salads. <laughs> Better caesar <laughs> dispute this one he okay. was a ladies man and i've seen the movie <laughs> a ladies man
1: you guys really are the same person yeah. are you like a reincarnation of him
0: i could be speaking of reincarnations of him bill finger creator of batman named bruce wayne Batman's true identity after Anthony Wayne, and canonically, Bruce Wayne is a descendant of Anthony Wayne. Really? Yes. And I owned a Batman t-shirt once.
1: (laughs) When I was nine, my aunt and uncle took me to the drive-in movie theater to see the Batman movie, because it came out like a month before my ninth birthday. And it was so cool, because it was the first drive-in movie I got to see. And I love like, I don't care who anybody says, Keaton is the Keaton is Batman. He's the best Batman. I agree. So just throwing yeah. it
0: out there, but I agree with you one hundred percent on that. All right. Yeah. I will not argue that. Okay, good. I don't like how you're trying to encroach on me uh, you know, adopting <laughs> sorry. Matt Anthony's identity. <laughs> His legacy was very controversial. I am quite controversial.
1: That is absolutely
0: a fact. Yes. So this one's going to be a tough one to cover and make fun because not only is it a lot of war, but like pretty much all of our founding fathers, uh, Anthony Wayne was not a good guy by today's standards. (laughs) Uh, He didn't exactly have progressive views, like I said, when it came to dealing with Native Americans, and he owned slaves, a lot of slaves. Too many slaves. I mean, I would argue one slave is too many slaves. (laughs) Facts. Uh, And he was a high-functioning alcoholic who cheated on his wife all the time. As far as founding fathers go, he's pretty much one of the worst. (laughs) And there's a lot to cover, so we're going to break this up into two episodes, like you said. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about his childhood, his role in the Revolutionary War, and what he did after the war. And spoiler alert, uh, after the war is when his life starts to really go off the rails. All right. And then the next episode, we're going to cover his role in the Northwest Indian War, his connection to Detroit, his death, impossible murder, and your favorite thing in the world... His, His ghost. ghost. Yes! Yes! These two episodes will have it all. I'm excited! Resources I use for researching this are Wayne State University's website, the Journal of American Revolution at allthingsliberty.com, Project Skeptic Podcast, Mad Anthony, The Life and Legacy of the Famous Revolutionary War General by Charles River Editors, and Is This a Ghost? podcast. So, a lot of research sources for this one. Nice. Yes. So, his early life Anthony Wayne was born in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania on New Year's Day in 1745. So, he was a New Year's baby. Mm. And the fact that he was born in a place called Waynesboro should tell you that he's also a Nepo baby. came from money he was named after his grandfather his parents immigrated to the u.s from ireland and his dad isaac was a captain in the french and indian war and little mad anthony loved listening to his dad's war stories but isaac didn't want his son to be a soldier instead he wanted him to run the family's 500 acre farm but anthony was like way not into being a farmer at all uh so his dad wanted him to have all the tools to meet his full potential especially since he was the only male child so his dad sent him to live with his uncle gilbert who was a school teacher but gilbert wrote back to anthony's dad and said dude zach uh you are totally overestimating your kid's potential because he's never going to be a scholar." Uh, At best you can hope for He'll be a good soldier I know you don't want that But sorry, not sorry Your kid's dumb Yeah, he distracts the other kids Playing war all the time If we had ADHD now He would be diagnosed with that So Isaac sat little mad Tony down And said, "All right, Tony You gotta work on the farm Because you kinda stink at school So, you know, like this is it, bud And little mad Tony was like No way, Jose and he buckled down and he started really trying in school and actually did really well. Uh, he ends up going to the College of Philadelphia and becomes a land surveyor. And is, he's great at studying the potential of land, which later, ironically, would make him a really good soldier. And he loved to read and write, which I also think gained him favor with higher ups because uh, he was able to write really captivating war reports that would be really visual in the accounts of like the war exploits and a, a lot of his writing is available to read and he does really paint a, a picture with his words yeah. it's pretty phenomenal like you can kind of visualize what's going on he's he was a really good writer huh. if he didn't become a drunken womanizing general <laughs> right. he could have been an author <laughs> Even before the war, like he was really good at surveying. Uh, Benjamin Franklin hired him to survey his land up in Nova Scotia. And soon after college, he meets Mary Penrose and they get married and he throws a couple kids in her. And then he starts cheating on her immediately, like immediately, immediately. <laughs> like there's a rich lady named Mary v- Vining and he turns her into like his main mistress. And mm. I say main mistress because he had many mistresses. Oh my gosh. But he was great at his job. Uh, So when the Revolutionary War began, he knew that was his calling though. Like he didn't want to be a surveyor. So he helped form the Pennsylvania militia. And uh, Benjamin Franklin was was like, you're really good at everything you do. So I'm going to let you be an officer in the war now. Hmm. And Matt Anthony was like, great. Because while I like seeing what minerals are in the ground... I'm really looking forward to killing people. <laughs> like, he had such a way with words. Like, this is a quote of his that he told George Washington. He said, Issue the order, sir, and I shall storm hell. He
1: sounds like an even vil- evil villain from a movie.
0: I think he sounds like the coolest guy ever. <laughs> as cool as a person who owns a lot of slaves right? and kills Native Americans yeah. can be, cheats on his uh, life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's debated how exactly Anthony Wayne got his nickname "Mad Anthony," uh, and while specifics do change, and naysayers say it was just because he had a potty mouth and would loudly chew out people, especially when he was drunk, uh, it's generally agreed upon that it's for being a brutally efficient and hot-headed military leader. Hmm. Like some of the stuff that I'm going to tell you about is just like, whoa! Like that should be in a movie. I can't wait. One time. His men were outnumbered against British soldiers. So he just told his troops, he's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to charge them with our bayonets and just scream <laughs> at the top of our lungs. And then once we get past them, when they're freaked out because they think we're crazy, <laughs> yeah, let's just keep running and we'll get away. Like, we're not going to attack them. We just want to freak them out and go. And it works. Like, he reinvented warfare. Like, at the time, you know, like, if you see in, like, movies from that era, or, like, even in, like, things like Game of Thrones, where everyone just kind of forms in Mm -hmm. a line, and everyone stops at the same time, puts their shields up, and then the row of archers. So, that was line warfare. And um, Anthony was, like, he goes, what we need to do is do, like, the Native Americans are doing, and use, like, learn maneuver warfare, where you're always moving and you're using the terrain to your advantage. Hmm. So you're not just forming in a line where someone's like, oh, we can just wipe out that entire line. Thank you for lining up. And British, thank you for wearing the red coats too. It's making you very easy to spot. (laughs) So yeah, he was great towards finding the tactical advantage. It's like the end of Star Wars episode three, where Obi-Wan's like, you can't beat me, Anakin. I have the higher ground. Um, He also didn't believe in rifles. Like, he was super anti-rifle. Like, he told George Washington once that he'd rather go into battle with an unloaded musket and a bayonet than a loaded rifle. Because rifles weren't super effective at the time. There's one battle where Matt Anthony is shot in the head. What? And he just kept fighting, and his men were like, dude, you got a shot in the head. And he's like... (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. And then he like wipes his head. He goes, this is probably someone else's but Oh, nope, this is mine. Yep, I got shot in the head. Whoopsie, let's keep going. But muskets were hunting guns and they were used for like taking down bear yeah. and big game. They were sturdy too. Like muskets were a lot more sturdy than a rifle. So you could use them as clubs And he told George Washington, he's like, don't spend money on rifles for my guys. Instead, use that money to give us cheap-ass muskets and, I don't know, shoes. And how about, like, super long bayonets, like 18 inches long, and make them really sharp, too. Because we're probably going to run at the British a lot just screaming. Uh, And, you know, and the rest of the money, we need medicine and warm clothes. But uh, (laughs) we don't want rifles. So... uh, His soldiers begrudgingly loved him. Oh, my God. But his fellow officers thought he was totally mad. (laughs) (laughs) Another reason he was an effective general is because he wouldn't just walk the or talk the talk. He would walk the walk. Like if his men were sleeping in like really cold tents in the middle of winter, he would too. Like he wouldn't take the nicer officer accommodations. He suffered if his troops were suffering. Hmm. And he just didn't order his men into combat. Like I said, he got shot in the head. Uh, he was in the thick of it. Like he took a mus- musket shot in the leg one time and just kept fighting. And when he wrote the war report about that, uh, he's like, "Yeah, my poor horse unfortunately took like two shots and went down. Uh, one got me in the leg too, but you know it's hardly worth mentioning. I was able to run into battle. What? Yeah, yeah. His ability to paint a picture with words." and his war reports probably really helped him out a lot because he had the ability to write really captivating and diplomatic war reports for higher ups like Benji Franklin and uh you know and he was really great at commending certain generals and whatnot and letting the facts speak for themselves regarding generals who maybe dropped the ball like you could kind of you know it's like what they say about jazz it's not the notes it's Space between the notes, like you could tell by his war reports, if he left someone out, oh, there probably wasn't anything remarkable <laughs> right. to say about that person. And there is one way that he was actually like me, and that is that he was very quick to praise his troops, just like I'm quick to praise my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love elevating my friends and let other people know how lucky I am to have amazing friends like you. I just posted something the other day and tagged you on Thank it. You. you know, yes. And he would write letters to franklin say things like listen my guys are the best their time in the military's up but we all me included want to stick with this thing because we're making a difference and we don't want to lose any progress we made and if new soldiers come in to relieve us they're gonna have to play catch up so we should probably just stick around and make sure the new guys know what's up so if you can just hook us up with better shoes and maybe some medicine and stuff (laughs) so like you know Franklin would do whatever he could to keep Wayne and his troops happy. But if someone deserted him like me, he would get furious Mm -hmm. and he would publicly flog deserters and just write them off for life. You know, like I am friends with people for life. But as soon as I'm not, then that's pretty much how it is. You know, so he and I are both quick to praise and unfortunately to punish. Uh, He served against. Uh, British General John Burgoyne in the evasion of Quebec. And since Quebec is still part of Canada, that tells you how that battle went. <laughs> uh, but he faced off against uh, Burgoyne again in the Battle of Stony Point. And in that really quick and daring attack against the British, Mad Anthony was promoted to Major General and was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And some say that between that defeat And the defeat that Burgoyne had, like, just months later in the Battle of Saratoga, that's when uh, Burgoyne surrendered, like, 6,000 of his soldiers, and he was just like, forget this, I'm out of here, I don't even care about America, I just want to go back home, eat biscuits. And the bayonet thing happened when George Washington gave Matt Anthony orders and. Wayne wrote back and said, okay, I see your orders or like I'm way into Julius Caesar. It's sort of like my thing, like in the future, I'm going to name my favorite slave Caesar because like, I love Caesar. Anywho, (laughs) he did this one maneuver that was so effective. He would do it against the other, like other enemies repeatedly. And it worked every time. So I thought maybe I could do that against the British and it would be totally awesome. But George Washington was like, "Mm Hmm, we'll kind of do it my way, uh, which is nothing like Wayne's. And that is the thing that got him uh, surrounded and outnumbered. And the bayonet thing happened where he just went after them and started screaming and, uh, and was able to get through. And then he told George Washington, he's like, dude, I failed. I should be court-martialed. Let me stand trial. And George Washington was like, dude, you followed my orders. Right? Maybe your (laughs) thing was the right thing. I don't know. And he, and Matt Anthony is like, no, you got to court martial me, man. And uh, Washington's like, oh, OK, I, I guess. So basically, he court martialed himself to stand trial. And he just did like the Jack Nicholson, a few good men speech. <laughs> this mad tribunal is like, all right, Matt Anthony, I, I guess you didn't stand your ground. You guys took off and. I don't know. What do you have to say? We think we're (laughs) entitled to the truth. And man, Anthony's like, you can't handle the truth. (laughs) Sirs, this country is defended by men, men with guns. Who's going to do it? You and this court of bureaucrats. You look at this as a failure. You have that luxury. You had the luxury of not knowing what I know, that wars aren't fought by days or weeks or months. That wars are fought in years think I have that backwards <laughs> truth is you have to make choices all the time you want me to make those choices you need me to make those choices we didn't retreat out of cowardice we retreated to defend and preserve our supplies our ammunition and our lives so we could do battle another day Another day that amounts to weeks, months, and years that amounts to victory. So I have neither the time nor inclination to explain myself to men who sleep and rise under the blanket of freedom I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I'd rather you just say thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up weapons. Might I recommend muskets over rifles and stand post yourself. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. And they're like, uh, okay, slow clap (laughs) again. We weren't. I mean, this is your thing. But I mean, you won. You successfully defended yourself against no one. So So Stony Point was like an early special missions type mission, too. Washington said to Wayne, like, what do you think about taking a really small group of super loyal badasses in the middle of the night and then do like a stealthy attack and take the fort? And Wayne is like, they outnumber us by like three to five times the men. <laughs> Give me 30 minutes. <laughs>
1: Let me brush my teeth yeah. and throw some shoes
0: on. <laughs> so Wayne took the fort and 500 prisoners in a half hour. What? And yeah, Washington wrote to everyone and praised wayne and his men and he's like this badass didn't question my orders even though last time i got him surrounded and he court-martialed himself he was just like yes he even got shot in the head during this and didn't flinch so let's give this guy the medal of honor and make all of his men heroes oh yeah and uh let's make it official that we call him mad anthony because this guy's like mad good at war (laughs) yeah wayne wasn't just it wasn't just war victory after war victory uh, that wasn't like just his life during this time. He wrote his wife a lot and told her what he was doing. W- w- most of what he was doing. <laughs> uh, he would always leave out the fact that sometimes he actually got to go home. Uh, he just chose not <laughs> didn't. to. Didn't. Yeah. He would see, uh, instead of seeing his wife and kids, he'd visit his side piece instead. Mm. And eventually, uh, because he didn't even try to hide it or be discreet, His wife found out and called him out on it. And he's just like, hey, listen, I'm doing war things. (laughs) This is on a need to know basis. And you don't need to know. So his wife's like, why? How is going to like fancy dinners with another woman a war thing? And he's like, not, 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 you know, (laughs) but with pen and ink. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And his mom was like super mad at him, too. She like scolded him. And she's like, I raised you better than this. You're supposed to be taking care of your wife and family. And now that your dad's gone and you were our only male child, you're supposed to be taking care of me, too. You don't send us any money because you're out drinking and partying with your floozy. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) And he was like, shut up, mom. My wife is like a mom. And that's like gross. Like you're a mom. And you're not the boss of me. I have a medal of honor. So he definitely wasn't a great guy at all. And after the war ended, more people besides just his immediate family are going to find out just how awful he was. So like a lot of Revolutionary War generals, after the war, he went back to civilian life where uh, he kept messing around with women behind his wife's back and uh, worked as a tanner and a surveyor, which is what he was doing before the war. Uh, And he really doesn't go back home to Pennsylvania uh, because, you know, his buzzkill wife and kids are there and (laughs) his awful mom telling him not to cheat. Uh, But luckily, because of his war exploit, he's given a couple of plantations in Georgia. But remember, when he was younger, the last thing he wanted to do was be a farmer. So he knew he was going to need slaves to run those plantations. And he did claim to be concerned about the harsh punishment of slaves, but that wouldn't stop him from owning like 50 of them himself and punishing them very harshly. Mm. But how did he get his slaves? Because at this time, unfortunately, he was broke as a joke. And part of why was he wasn't sending money home was because he was boozing it up and partying with his like super wealthy socialite girlfriend. Plus back then each state had its own currency. So while he had land in Georgia, he didn't really have Georgia money. So he applies for a loan to this Dutch company. He puts up his land in Pennsylvania as collateral and then just buys all of these slaves and tells the slave owners, like just charge them to the Dutch guys. But the Dutch guys are like, what the hell dude like uh, and he's like whoops and they're like whoops no uh-uh. you're crooked we don't want to do business with you loan denied and he's like okay you guys suck worse than my wife and mom and they suck pretty bad My wife is so mean to my mistress and my mom just wants like this money that I promised her. They're awful. So just give me the deed to my land back. And then he tells the slave traders. He's like, listen, Dutch bankers suck. They're the worst. (laughs) They wear wooden shoes and they have stupid haircuts. So here's the deed to my land in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. My wife lives there, but whatever. She sucks anyway. Uh, let me just have these slaves to work my land and then I'll pay you back like after a good season or whatever like I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today and the South Carolina slave traders are like uh, no we're gonna sue you (laughs) that's not cool plus keep in mind we're slave traders and we think you're awful So that's how awful you are. Like, think about who we are when we say that you suck. And your mom and wife are actually pretty understanding, all things considered. Right. (laughs) So Matt Anthony gets a lawyer who says, listen, technically you owe your mom and your wife a lot of money, so just have them sue you for the deed of your property, so that way the slave traders won't have anything to go after. And so he writes this really heartfelt letter to his wife, like a televangelist who got caught with a male prostitute <laughs> in cocaine in an airport adjacent motel room, uh, apologizes to his congregation. And he's begging her to go along with it. And she's like, fine, just get your act together and start acting like a son and a husband and a father because you're embarrassing us. And this family <laughs> needs you. And I guess we love you. And he's like, absolutely, I see the errors of my way. Psych! (laughs) And he just, you know, skirts all of this and does what he does when white guys get away with something. He uh, runs for politics, runs for office. (laughs) He runs for Congress in Georgia and wins. (laughs) Of course he does. And the incumbent, James Jackson, says, there's no way he won. But he sucks. Everyone in Georgia knows that he sucks. I think there was election fraud, and it's investigated. And four days later, he's booted out of Congress. <laughs> and in all honesty, like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is just where things really start to get crazy. So uh, next week, we're going to cover the last part of his life, oh his God. death, and maybe his murder, and possibly his ghost. <laughs> so w- what do you think so far?
1: Well, I think that you already know this. I love the way you tell a story. (laughs) I mean, it's fantastic. But this guy is like crazy town. Oh, yeah. Like big time crazy town. Yeah. I'm I'm, like, there's that part of me that's like, and I'm here for it. Yeah. But then there's this other part of me that's like, this happened in our country.
0: (laughs) You know what's really, well, and continues to happen. Yeah, Yeah, yeah there aren't photographs back then so it's just a lot of like paintings and you have to imagine that artists are taking some artistic liberties mm-hmm. this guy is not a handsome looking guy yeah. at all yeah yeah no he has like a he's kind of pudgy he has a <laughs> pointy little nose like he looks like my friend Mike Wanch who um you know is a good guy but not you know, super yeah. handsome. But then again, when we were in high school, Mike Wanch had no problem getting girlfriends. So maybe there's something there. I, I, I don't know. But this guy. No, he's not a good looking man. No. No.
1: I mean, he's not like, he's not like, oh, you know, like, oh, my God, he's ugly. But he's he's just not like he looks. He looks like a middle aged white man. Yeah. That, uh, you know, grazes his hand on a waitress's thigh a little too long. You know what yep. I mean? Like he looks he looks like a sketchy individual.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and somehow next week, we're going to cover someone even sketchier. <laughs> somehow we're going to make Matt Anthony Wayne look like a good guy for a little bit.
1: I I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. All right. So tune in next week for the 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 uh the Thrilling conclusion, conclusion. <laughs> Be safe you guys and text us when you get home. And don't cheat on your spouse. Yeah, that part too. <laughs>